Good morning, Northern Hills. Hey, it's good to be with you here this morning. Great to worship with you. I was mentioning that to first hour, and it's so cool to be backstage and just be able to hear all these voices, just one in unison uh, to our God. So awesome, awesome being able to worship with you guys. Awesome to be with you here this morning, of course, all of you that are here in person and those that are uh, hanging out with us online want to greet you as well. A couple pieces before we get into it this morning. Um, I wanted to remind us of Easter Sunday coming up, right? We got a big day coming up next Sunday and uh, really excited about all God's doing here at the church and uh, what he's going to be uh, doing, especially in the lives of the individuals that just show up next Sunday and engage with this awesome service. So I want to make sure this invite card gets in your hands. There's definitely quite a few planted around uh, chairs this morning, so please grab one. One of the things we committed to as a staff, we were connecting Tuesday, Brian had laid out this challenge in front of the staff was just, hey, we can't ask our people to do anything we're not willing to do. So it was really this conversation in the circle about who are we inviting to Easter services, right? Like what are, what's our sphere of influence, neighbors, uh, again, some individuals, maybe there's uh, a coworker we need to be inviting to uh, Easter service, like Pastor John, we're still praying for that guy, right? So. Um, no, <laughs> but, but the point is, is we're going to be connecting with individuals as well. We want to be intentional to do this. And so we're going to encourage you, uh, if you haven't been praying about that, hey, take the next couple days. Take the next 24, 48 hours. Ask God, please identify for me, God, who I'm supposed to be throwing out this card to, invite to. We've got three times. So uh, again, definitely spanned out between 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.30. So there's definitely some different opportunities to get your friends here, your co-workers, your family uh, that wouldn't normally attend church. And there's what we know, Christmas and Easter, right? People are just more open to it. They're definitely more open than any other kind of Sunday mornings to maybe pop into church for the first time, connecting into church for the first time. So yeah, there's your invite card. That's one of the things I wanted to highlight. And then the other, uh, and I know Pastor Brian will be talking about this as well as we close uh, shop this morning, but we have a series coming up after the Easter service, and uh, the next Sunday we'll be getting into a series called Ask Anything You Want. And so we're trying to vet questions now, any questions that um, you guys have, um, uh, things that are on your mind, maybe they're deep theological questions, hopefully not, because those are all go to Pastor Brian, um, but uh, um, maybe they're just, again, just some wonderings you have, wonderings you have about uh, what does scripture say about, fill in the blank, right? And so we're going to encourage you to uh, get on... Uh, text out to us with that question. We'll have a QR code where you can get that really quick as well. And we want to vet all those. It's going to be a cool uh, series post-Easter because uh, we'll be diving into a bunch of different questions. So for this morning, I had a question that I wanted to kick us off with. And it's simply this. What emotions stir up in you when you don't understand something? We have some people that are really, again, some, some, some brainiacs in the room I know, some people that are always looking towards logic and, and things making sense, and some of us are, are, are maybe not as bent that way, but still the things we don't understand can bring up a whole, whole gambit of emotions. What emotions stir up in you when you don't understand something? Because my son had some of those emotions two weekends ago, not this past weekend, the weekend before, I guess that's two weekends ago. Uh, because we had the talk. We had the talk. My son and I had the talk. And it was at a, a restaurant. We, we knew he's 11 years old. He's a fifth grader. He's starting to get in some of the conversation, starting to come home with some things he had, questions he had. And so we knew it was just timely. 
And so I'm all geared up for this because Jenny had had the talk with Elodie, our daughter. Obviously, I had connected with Elodie after the fact. But it was one of those things that this is, again, this is my first initiation here with Camden. We're going to talk this through. He has some questions. He has some things that he's already working through. We sit down, and my son's at that developmental stage where he just wants logic. He wants it to make sense. He wants to understand it and it, it to make sense. So the sex talk, I should have been talking to him when he's like 40 years old, right? Because, um, like, I, I, I'm just like, this is going to be deep. This is going to have some different things. And I didn't want to, I, I can get so wordy. I didn't want to overtalk it. So prayed about it, asking the Holy Spirit to guide the whole thing. And he is just, we ordered burgers and fries. And I can tell when my son is struggling with something because the food doesn't become the priority in the conversation. It's always the priority in every kind of uh, facet we live in. But if the food stays on the plate, something else is going on. Sure enough, we got burgers, fries. We're doing the whole thing. We're going to get ice cream afterwards. And the kid's not even finishing like a quarter of his burger. He's just looking at me like, what in the world is going on? Why are you saying these terms to me? I never wanted to hear you say these terms. I don't even know half of what you're talking about. And so we're just having it, right? We're just talking through it. I'm doing a lot more talking. I'm trying to save don't, that was too heady, that was too much, that was whatever. Lord, help me, and just really, Holy Spirit, be present. Well, we get to the end of the conversation. Again, we sort of had our back and forth a little bit. I'm feeling pretty good about the momentum we had. And I just look at him like, do you have any other questions, dude? Like, seriously, I'm just here. And again, he's still got the whole burger and the fries. He doesn't want to go for ice cream now afterwards. I've literally made his stomach just turn in knots, right? And so I look at him, any questions left? Any questions? And he just sort of sits there and he looks at me, his eyes get wide. I'm like, yes, thank you, God. You did something and something stuck and we're going to be able to build on this and we're going to have all this. And so he looks at me, he's like, so is that why you and mom go upstairs and <laughs> lock the bedroom door? Are you serious? Like, that's what God accomplished, right? In that, like, seriously? That's all he had. Because he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. But that's the thing, right? We have, we have all these things. We have all these things that come up in our own lives. What emotions? Because <laughs> that kid's stomach was turning. What emotions come up with you when you just don't understand? Like, have you ever been to a foreign country? You don't, you don't understand the language. You so want to, you desire to know the culture. You want to know the conversations that are going back and forth, what people are saying about you maybe. You just don't understand. And so what stirs up in you? Have you ever tried putting Ikea furniture together? <laughs> I'm serious. Like Ikea furniture is one of those things where it should be easy. They don't even have to put words next to it. It's just look at the picture. And I can't tell you how many barn burners <laughs> I've gotten in with my wife over building Ikea furniture ridiculous right so but what i don't i don't understand why this can't be easier my uh, uh sister-in-law becky uh she comes i'm telling you that girl has the craziest stories that just happened to her but <laughs> she shared a story uh and this is now years ago it's appropriate because it was around easter time she wanted to get some donuts uh that were very easter friendly Krispy cream was doing a promotion where they're going to do all these kind of special decorated Easter donut. She's going to come to this party, make it look cool. She's a very big, she's very big into hosting, very big into just setting the tone and, and feeling like people can come in and feel hospitality. So she was doing all these kinds of, this is what she got as the box came back. Like, I don't understand. 
I just don't understand. Why does that happen, right? Like, you set it up, and then it's like, thank you, Krispy Kreme. Have you ever been married? Have you ever been married? Because understanding the opposite sex, right? I think it could be one of God's greatest conundrums. It's a forever journey. It's a beautiful journey. But right? Sometimes we just don't understand. I think, here's, here's just honest talk. I think many of us can relate to my son. I think many of us can relate to my son where we don't understand. We just want to know, like, why? Why that doesn't make sense or, or have that sort of blank slate on, on our own faces with certain things that just happen in life. Sometimes we just don't understand. If you have your Bibles this morning or go to a mobile phone app, uh, pull up the Bible app. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Uh, uh, 27, excuse me, Matthew chapter 27. And this is in the New Testament. See, we're one way, week away from Easter Sunday. And it truly is, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a friend of Jesus Christ, it is the greatest moment that we're going to be celebrating. It's the most important holiday that a believer could be celebrating, that Christ has risen, that he has defeated death, that he has defeated the grave. And because we knew we were going to be leading up to an Easter Sunday, we thought it was key to focus on a series that would be speaking to what did God say? What did Jesus and what were his words leading up to that Easter Sunday? And what weight and how meaningful are those words when we really took time to look at it? Those last words that were spoken by Jesus during the crucifixion before he died. And so we believe that these words are phenomenally powerful, that they're theologically deep when you say, hey, take some time to dig into them a little bit deeper. And I'll, I'll say this, if you're a Christian, I, I think you don't need any convincing um, of, of Christ's character, of what he's done in your life. But a series like this, when we start looking at Jesus' words, I think it can help develop this idea like, no, that is the person of Christ. That is the person of, of Jesus. And so even though I'm in it right now, even though I'm going through some difficult things in my life, I can be reminded of Jesus' solid character, of his truth, of, his, of the things that he keeps, um, he keeps his promises to me. And if you're not, if you're still navigating that faith journey, we believe this series was going to be important because if you're not or yet convinced about Jesus, then you know what? Maybe you're just going to have a whole different kind of appreciation for him. Maybe some of these words that we're walking through and opening the door to your eyes to just will take some more serious consideration as you're navigating that faith journey, as you're trying to figure out whether you want to follow Christ. Now, words matter. <laughs> my words that day with my son, I, I, I promise you, Holy Spirit, guide him. I was praying over all of them, right? Because words matter because words frame our understanding. And so to be able to look at the words of Scripture and Jesus' last words, I think sometimes that can actually be a, a struggle for us as followers of Christ because at times we'll find ourselves in a place where like, oh, this is more confusing to me. Why would have God, why would he have done that? Why would he have said that? This doesn't really fully add up to me. And so we want to know the why something happened, why this person did that, why did they say what they say, said but sometimes we just don't we don't get it it doesn't relate i want to start in matthew 27 37 and just to give you some context on these famous last words that we're going to be looking at this morning jesus is on the cross and he's dying unjustly he's dying unjustly at the hands of those power hungry religious leaders who are seeing jesus as a threat he's a threat to their way of life he's flipping everything on its head 
He has a new way, a new covenant to live by. And so these new promises that he's making, these are hitting close to home for those that are like, hold on a second. Who do you think you are? So Jesus is being, again, accused of crimes that he didn't commit. He's also, his close followers that would have been journeying with Jesus, that would have bought into what he was communicating, they've abandoned him. And the Bible says that this in verse 37, above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Jesus' accusers, they're mocking him here. They're saying, you're the one that said that, Jesus. Those were your words. And we don't understand them. We don't fully grasp what you're trying to communicate there. But guess what? This is something that you said, and now look at you. Look at where you are. They're making fun of him and attempting to use his words against him. Verse 38, two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And I want to encourage us, Pastor Brian did a great job of helping us look into detail at these two criminals last week. If you missed that, I just want to encourage you to view that online. Great piece in these famous last words series. But verse 39, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. More and more insults keep raining down on the king. And they're quoting what Jesus had said earlier. Again, they're using his words against him, basically saying, you're the one, Jesus. You're the one that called this moment. You're the one that called it. Where's your God now? If you are God, why aren't you figuring out how to save yourself? Where's your power? Where is your God in the middle of all this? And I don't know about you, but the four words that really hit me, hit to the, really the heart of their mockery, is when they say he trusts in God. He trusts in God. Here is something I trust that, can, that many of us in this room, most of us in this room, understand. That it is easy to trust God in the moments where we see light. But in the dark times, in the dark hour, in the dark places of our life, it's much harder to see God. It's much more difficult to see God at work. It's easy to trust God in the light, and it's more difficult to trust him when life goes dark. And here's what the Bible says is Jesus' darkest moment. Matthew 27, 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. It's midnight. It's midnight kind of darkness, if you will, at midday. That's how dark it is. It's almost as if God is just saying, you know what? The sun will not shine in this moment. The sun is not going to shine on this event. And then the famous last words, Matthew 27, 46. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for those of us that are a little bit Bible nerds, we want to understand the meaning of words and understand the depth of the further study into the depth of these words, we would find that Jesus would have been screaming this. With everything he had that was left in a broken, a torn up, beaten body, he is screaming these words. And get this, he would have endured the aforementioned mockery, harsh words, beatings from a man from men they were doing their worst to him but it's at this moment that god when he's withdrawing his presence that he screams there was no rebuttal there was no complaining about what were happening when men did their worst but when god withdraws he's screaming out in agony that i can't take this my god my god i can't I can't endure. I don't understand this. Why? And he's asking a question. It's interesting to me through all the Gospels. Jesus refers to God as his father. He refers him to Abba. He refers to him as his dad, his papa. And in this moment, he's saying, my God, my God. These words are perhaps some of his saddest that we read. I, I believe they're the saddest we read in the Bible. And unquestionably, these words... They're hard for us to understand. Yeah, God, what are you doing here? Wait a minute, Jesus, you're God. So what are you doing here? Martin Luther, a great theologian, author, and hymn writer, centuries ago, he said, how can God forsake God? Sometimes we just don't understand. The answer, we're going to get to there in just a second, but here's the first thing that I think is important for us to consider as we just dig into this passage today we can't explain everything when it comes to god we can't explain everything when it comes to god and i think there's so many theological challenges just not just in that statement just in that question that jesus is asking but i think we have a lot more that we have questions that we want answered old testament new testament but sometimes those answers they're going to feel to us a little bit muddy if you get that answer from a pastor, if you get that answer from a podcast, if you're getting that answer from something you read and engage in because you're trying to uh, find the answer to a, a question about the Bible or why God does what he does, some of those answers will create tension for us. They will be muddy for us. What? Why? How? Well, didn't, didn't Jesus know? Well, did he not know what was going to happen? Surely he knew he was God. And there are a lot of questions of why God does what he does. But I think in the midst of us asking our questions, sometimes we miss an answer to Jesus' character and to his goodness and to what he's doing. Because Jesus, first and foremost, here in this, in this crazy, saddest moment, in the words he's sharing of just being abandoned by God, first and foremost, the one question that almost all of us dealing, uh, deal with at some point or another in our lives, he's asking. He's asking why. And I think we can relate to that so much. Because God, God is in his darkest hour. Why? Where are you, God? And I think in our darkest hour, we end up doing the same thing. A family that can't get pregnant. Why? We've all lost a loved one. Or know of someone that's lost a loved one. Maybe loss of a child. Why? Why that? Maybe some of us have a teenager or an adult child. And the choices they're making now in their lives are sort of like, ooh, had I done this as a parent? Or could I have done this different? And 
Why are they facing those trials and tribulations I would have never hoped they would have faced? Maybe being sexually, physically, emotionally abused by someone that you trusted, someone that loved, that you loved and that you thought they loved you. Why? Addiction. Addiction that some, some of us even have experienced personally that's run our life. That we've found maybe elements of freedom from, but maybe never full freedom in alcohol and drugs. Why? Financial hardship. Starting over after a marriage that had gone wrong. And so this second one, or maybe this third one, this fourth one, I hope this one, because that, that had some damage in it. And some of us, a medical diagnosis that has continued to, we, we find victory from your five steps forward into healing. And then it feels like you take 10 steps backward in that healing process. Maybe 15 steps, maybe 20 steps. I mean, the long game seems like just that. It's going to be a long game. Why, God, why? Why us? Why this? This is where we all live at some time or another, and we ask why. I don't understand. We can't explain everything when it comes to God, why he does what he does or what he's doing right now in our life. And the truth, that's just the truthful answer. That's maybe the truthful answer you weren't expecting this morning is that we can't explain everything because we get this. We get to see part of the story. God gives us glimpses of the story, but sometimes he won't give us the full story. We can't understand everything from God's perspective. The apostle Paul said this very clearly in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, and he's comparing the now with the eternal. And how, how he describes this is for now, we see only a reflection as, as in a mirror. Then... We shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Maybe a glimpse, but maybe not everything until the other side of heaven. Maybe a glimpse in the initial and maybe a year from now or five years from now, maybe even a little bit more, but only part now. And a lot of people during dark times, they'll say God is nowhere to be found. A lot of people will say, God, where's God? God's nowhere in all of this dark, dark times and this dark hour of my life. But I'm going to flip that word. Those friends of God, the people that do know God, the people that are drawing nearer to God, they take that nowhere and they say, no, God is now here. He is now here in this, even when I don't understand, even though I can't understand, I'm trusting he's here. Another Camden story for you. My son's sort of the topic this morning but uh, when he was three or four years old I can remember we were invited to a celebration and we were trucking out of the house getting going and again he's just sort of walking but he's doing that sort of walking when you walk <laughs> you know what I mean anywhere and sure enough he hit a, a wall he hit a corner wall in our house and it just hit his forehead smack dab and so he's bleeding he's just bleeding everywhere he's screaming up a storm it's just this chaos uh, kind of moment his sister saw it she's freaking out forehead bleeds are always they, they look worse they bleed worse than anything right so I run him uh, to a bathroom and I'm, I'm trying to put him he's flailing everywhere legs arms I'm just like settle in dude we got to try to stop the bleeding we're gonna go to the hospital it's okay I'm going to hospital right he's just going everywhere and so I pin him down and I'm, 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 I'm literally you know, like <laughs> using all my weight all my strength just to keep his arms down I'm telling you, like, the way the blood's moving, it looked like a crime scene in the bathroom, right? 
Like, that's how crazy thing is. And so it's this forehead bleed going everywhere. My daughter's crying up a storm. Even Jenny, she was panicked. Like, is he going to bleed out? Like, he's just young. We're just freaking out as, as parents kind of deal. But my son, I'll never forget it, guys. He's looking up at me as I'm holding him down. And he's like, Daddy, why? It was that look like, why are you doing this to me? Let me go. I, I, why, why are you hurting me right now? Why are you doing this? I love you, Dad. And you're keeping me, like, he didn't understand. He didn't understand, and there was no way I was incapable of explaining to my son in that moment, this is what I'm doing for the big picture. Here's what I'm trying to do to keep you safe. There is purpose in what I am doing, and I love you because what I am doing, there's purpose in everything I do for you. And God's the same way. But it's hard to see him in those things, especially when it's our pain. And if I had had a moment of clarity, if we had a calm moment in that, in that bathroom and I was able just to talk him down, I would have done everything to speak clearly to Camden. In all of that chaos, I would have calmly said, I can't give you the answer you're going to like or that you're even going to understand. But, but sometimes my decisions are based on the big picture. And they may not be something I can fully explain to you. And so it's in these situations that I'm going to remind you to trust in your daddy. That your daddy loves you. And that he has good things for you. That's what I would have done. And I'm all, you have to trust me, Cam. This is for your good. And it's what God is saying to us as well. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We cannot, we can't explain everything when it comes to God. So back to Martin Luther's question, how can God forsake God? I believe God in his goodness is gracious to give us some answers with this one. Because it can be really confusing. How can God forsake God? But I think he gives us some answers because I think it points to the questions we have in our own lives and our own stories. So hang in there with me this morning. First, we engage with this question Jesus is asking. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what we need to understand, and I think all of us do upon initial blush on that passage, is that he's been forsaken. He's been abandoned is another way to say that. There is a real, true abandonment taking place with Jesus on the cross. Jesus is abandoned and he's abandoned because he is bearing our sin our sin for all time on the cross he's bearing that judgment the judgment that would have been ours the judgment that came from a holy god is being poured out this father unto his son and that's how we define wrath and so in sort of instead of pouring out on us it pours out on his son and that's necessity it's a necessity because of the perfection of God. And so that necessity involves that kind of abandonment. And Jesus is suffering the weight of all the sins of people for all time, the judgment of those sins. I don't think we can even, again, you talk about wrapping your head around something. We can't begin to fathom what was taking place in this moment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because that a real, true, deep abandonment is taking place. And this is what most of us understand, I believe, at first blush. But what if we dug a little deeper? And what if the why wasn't really a question? 
What if the why wasn't really a question that was looking for an answer from Jesus? That's where tension lies, right? That's where some muddiness gets in. This is something we might not fully understand, but Jesus would have known ahead of time. Jesus was God. He knew what he was doing. He knew what was going to happen to him, why he was doing it. The Father had sent him for this. This was the mission, and it was always the mission. It was the mission that was going to be fulfilled this very moment. And Jesus had agreed to come along for it. In fact, we read about in John 18, 4, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and he asked them, who is it you want? And so he willingly, faithfully, fulfillment is saying, yeah, I give myself up. I know. And I know what's coming because I know everything. And if that doesn't display God's heart for his people, then I don't know what does. Because this is speaking to character. This is speaking to trustworthiness. <laughs> we face areas of darkness in our lives consistently. And when we ask why, the sense that we're met with this silence, this proves that that silence has a purpose behind it. That those famous last words of why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is that Jesus becomes the hope that we have when we feel forsaken. When we feel forsaken. Because here's the deal. Jesus is quoting a psalm. He's not asking a question. He's quoting a psalm when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this psalm contains the heart cries, just like all the psalms we read, of God's people. Check out Psalm 22, 1 through 5. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Yet, yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Fast forward to verse 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly I will praise you. You who fear the Lord... Praise him. All the descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him, all the descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These famous last words are not a question. There are hope in the darkness. That's who God is. That's Christ answering his call towards the mission. I want you to write this down. The why wasn't looking for an answer. The why wasn't looking for an answer. <clears throat> why wasn't this request from Jesus to get some theological response from heaven, from God, about his current circumstances? It was the fulfillment of scripture. It was the fulfillment of God's promise to his people. And let me help us understand this, okay? I think we get this. Two things can be true at the same time. I've shared a lot of stories with you guys and my mom. 
and the struggle she's had and specifically where she's at right now as this, this addict. And a lot of things make her that addict now that is reaping, again, what she's sown in, in just some bad decisions and bad choices. You know what? My mom was a good mom too. Two things can be true. She did her best as a single mom to raise this guy. And I think she did a pretty darn good job. Two things can be true here as well. That Jesus, while experiencing true abandonment, experiencing this true, just this desolate moment, this dark moment, that natural reflex of desolation that any of us would have. Why? Where, why? Have you, God, where are you? Where are you in this? Jesus is taking on the full weight of our sins and the wrath of the Father. That can be true and What's true is that Jesus loved his people enough to do it. That's what's also true, that Jesus Christ is the answer to our whys. That he's the answer to the cries of our heart. Two things can be true at the same time. God's love never fails, and it always makes a way. The why wasn't looking for an answer. The answer was always, will always be Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage us today. Because look, I get it. Sometimes you're just at that point in life where things are so chaotic and there's hurt and there's confusion. There's lack of understanding. And so some of us, I know in here, all we're doing is holding on as tightly as we can. The best word is probably just to say you're clinging to God right now. As best as you can to, to your Savior to say that I'm so worn out. I'm worn out spiritually. I'm worn out emotionally. But I'm going to keep on holding on and my encouragement to you is to do that to keep holding on to keep clinging to christ and what i want to encourage you with is that because of christ being forsaken you never will be ever jesus has made a way and it's because of his wearing all that he wore in that moment when we walk in this turbulent world when we walk through our turbulent times we are never forsaken we are never abandoned and that's not because of anything you've done and it's not of anything you'll be able to do it's because of jesus christ it's all because of jesus christ hebrews 13 5 never will i leave you never will i forsake you so no matter how alone you feel no matter how many questions you have maybe you feel betrayed right now and the answer to your why is Jesus. Why? It's running to Jesus Christ. God's promising that he will never leave you, that he's good and he's for you. And that abandonment he endured is true. And what's true is that the mission was fulfilled. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I love how the Apostle Paul says it this way. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And so when we don't fully understand, because that's where we're going to live, when it stirs up those emotions that we're sure to feel, when God does feel silent, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Be reminded that we can't explain everything and that God can still be up to something. Be reminded I was talking with somebody between services today. They said, you know what's a good reminder for me is to remember that in those dark moments, what he accomplished in the my light moments. And it's true. 
because he has accomplished some great things for each of us here. So what we do when, when, we, do, when we, we want explanations, we're going to get some of those answers, going to be privy to some of the things, but some things perhaps not till the other end, not until the other side of eternity. So Proverbs 3, 6, in all of your ways submit to him. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Again, for the Bible nerd in the world, very literally, the word submit means to know him. In all you do, know him. In all you have questions about, know him. In all the trials and tribulations you face, know God. Even when you don't understand, know God, and he will make your path straight. And so practically, friends, and this is just what I'm learning, practically I think what that's going to mean for us this next week is instead of asking why, let's ask what. Let's just ask what. Not why, God, are you doing fill in the blank. Why, God, am I going through fill in the blank again? Why, God, why, God, why? What, God? What do you want me to do? What do you want to teach me? What are you up to? I want to be part of that. Let's ask him what and reframe the way we trust in God and his promises to his people. You may be asking yourself, like, what, what does a relationship look like with God? I hope you're asking that question. Because it's like any relationship, it's crazy. There's a lot of roller coaster part of that journey. Everybody here that's a person of faith will tell you that there's highs, there's lows to that relationship. There's places where we have a lot of questions, but I'll tell you for the people of God, the thing we can continue to lean on is his promises and his trustworthiness, even when we have the same whys that you have. And so if you're wanting to know what a relationship with Christ is like, it's very simple. It's just giving your heart to him. I said this morning, it's not about a do type of faith. We want that all the time. What do I need to do for God? How do I need to sort of remove my past a little bit, make things a little better? Uh, I got to clean this up before. No, it's a done type of faith because of Jesus, because of everything we talked about this morning. It's already done on your behalf. And so if you are that person, if today's the day to start that relationship, I want you to just pray this silently in your heart as I pray it aloud. God, I have so many whys yet I feel what you want me to do now, what you want me to do is a step in this relationship with you. Jesus, today I'm going to make you Savior. I'm making you Savior because of your promises, because of the truth that's found in your word, because I can't do this on my own anymore. I'm trying to answer all of my life questions with a bunch of other whys. I'm trying to fill this with. And so what I want, Lord, is a relationship with you and I'm asking you to come into my life and transform me from the inside out. God, I am a sinner. I am broken. And I need you to come in as my Savior. Today, I make a commitment to follow you. To give my life to you. And I bring nothing to the table. Thank you, Jesus, that you bring everything to me. If you prayed that prayer, God is keeping his promise to you. And you have a relationship with the Savior. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's the best of faith. I want you to come up today. We pray for people after service. 
any number of kinds of prayers, but we would specifically, if you made that decision, if you'd made that decision online, please post it. Please give us a thumbs up. We want to follow up with you, get some resources in your hands. But today, I know it's a bold move. I know it takes some courage, but please come up so we can pray for you and we can celebrate that with you today. That would bless us in a big way. And maybe we can get also some things in your hands that'll help you along that journey. For the rest of us, let's change the vernaculars, change the question. It's not why anymore, it's what God, what are you up to? What are you doing? What do you want from me? What do you want me to trust more in? I give it all to you, God. God, we just thank you for this morning and we thank you for each one in this room. Lord, we are going to trust in the power of your word and your fulfillment of scripture through the psalm that you recited on that cross because you knew it was the mission that you were called to the whole time. And God, thank you for the two things being true that you experienced in your humanity, what we experience so consistently here on earth, just a lot of the whys that we have. But thank you also, God, that you are God, <laughs> that we aren't. And so, Lord, you are God because you have not only died on the cross for our sins, wore all of the judgment that we should rightfully wear, but, Lord, you defeated death. You defeated death and you rose from the grave. And that's what we're going to celebrate, not just next weekend. We're going to celebrate that with each moment of our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for doing what only you could do. And, and Lord, help us in our dark hours to remember the light that you shine on us consistently. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in your great name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.